The following podcast contains explicit content and is not suitable for all listeners. Among the various types of on-campus crimes reported in 2018, there were 12,300 forcible sex offenses, which constituted 43% of all criminal incidents. Other reported crimes included burglaries and motor vehicle thefts. In addition, 2,200 aggravated assaults and 800 robberies were reported. On March 4th, 2008, an 18-year-old college freshman jumped naked from her own vehicle in an attempt to escape her abductor. She was shot in the back as she fled the moving vehicle and collapsed on the side of the highway as bystanders called for help. She passed away shortly after arriving at the hospital, but her abductor spent the next few days terrorizing more women before he was finally apprehended. This is the story of Lauren Burke. Just like to preface this episode by letting my listeners know that I am recovering from COVID and because of that, I've been coughing a lot and my voice has been getting quite scratchy. So if my voice is a little off today, that's why. So I just wanted to let everybody know that before I get into this episode today. Lauren Ashley Burke was born on August 11, 1989, in Marietta, Georgia, in the United States, to parents Vivian Grishon and James Burke, and had a sister named Jacqueline and a brother named Chad. Lauren is remembered as being happy, active, and outgoing, her mother stating, quote, You looked into her eyes and you just saw happiness totally carefree, loved nature, end quote. Friends remembering Lauren as, quote, well-liked by everyone, a very good student, always smiling, always laughing, and happy, end quote. Marietta, Georgia, where Lauren grew up, is a suburb of Atlanta, Georgia, considered fairly affluent with good schools and low crime rates, with a population of 60,972 as of 2020. Lauren was active in school activities and made friends quickly. She loved her friends, family, and her high school boyfriend, Sean McQuaid, whom she was still dating at the time of her death. I am not familiar with this area myself, but to paint a bit of a picture, Marietta is considered a historic southern town in the state of Georgia and is roughly 18 miles or 29 kilometers from Atlanta's downtown core. Georgia itself is bordered by North Carolina and Tennessee to its north, South Carolina to its northeast, Alabama to its west, and Florida and the Atlantic Ocean to its south and southeast. Georgia boasts a varied landscape and a humid subtropical climate. Marietta also has a Gone with the Wind Museum, which was launched in 2003 from a private collection. 
Lauren attended George Walton Comprehensive High School, which is the number one public school in the state of Georgia and is among the top SAT scores. After high school, she went on to begin studies in graphic design and art at Auburn University, which is located approximately 124 miles or 200 kilometers from her family home in Marietta. The second largest university in Alabama, Auburn is located in the city of Auburn, which is considered a college town and has a population of 76,143 as of 2020, making it the largest city in eastern Alabama. Lauren's family had felt safe to send her to school in Auburn as it was known for its strong community and safe campus. Lauren jumped into school activities right away, playing on the school's lacrosse team and joining the Delta Gamma sorority. By all accounts, she was thriving at university and was just your average college student having fun, studying, and enjoying her life. On March 4th, 2008, Lauren had a relatively normal day and was leaving her boyfriends to go to a study session with a friend at around 8 p.m. As she approached her 2001 Honda Civic, a man named Courtney Lockhart saw her and came up to her with a gun, forcing her into the car. His story has changed about these events, first stating he had been looking all day for a victim and had been on and around the school's campus most of the day, but then saying he had been at a job in the area and had only been looking for a victim for about an hour. He also stated that she had gotten into the passenger side and that he got into the driver's side and that she'd offered him $200 and begged him to leave, but later said she was already at her vehicle and that he threatened her and she started screaming. I'm not really sure, but his initial accounts of events is believed to be what really happened. He began driving away from campus and talking to Lauren about his life and how awful things were for him, and she talked with him, even offering to help him get a job, to which he replied that he had one and didn't need one, but that this was, quote, the end for him, end quote. They drove about an hour, and at some point early on, he asked her to undress fully, because according to him, he didn't want her to do anything crazy, and he thought that her being naked would prevent that. Twice, she received calls from her friend and her boyfriend, and he allowed her to answer, forcing her to say that she had forgotten about the study session. Her boyfriend saying after the fact, quote, At the time, I didn't think about it that much. Looking back at the phone call, wow. I could have realized that something was up, end quote. At around 9 p.m., he claims that they were driving back to campus when the gun suddenly went off and Lauren jumped out of the vehicle. It is believed that he became increasingly frustrated and that Lauren took the opportunity to flee and that he shot at her to stop her. Multiple reports also state that witnesses heard two gunshots, he stopped but saw another vehicle turning around and decided to flee. He then drove to a gas station and put gas all over the inside of her car before driving it back to campus and setting it on fire. 
He then got into his car, went to get more gas for his vehicle, using Lauren's debit card both times, and then drove back to campus to ensure that the car was on fire before driving away, throwing Lauren's debit card out of the window as he drove off. Reports say Lauren initially got to her feet but soon collapsed at the side of the road. I'm not sure how fast the car was moving at the time, but Lauren was covered in road rash and abrasions. She had also been shot in her left shoulder, which pierced both her lungs and exited her right shoulder. She was transported to the hospital by paramedics arriving at 9.35 p.m., but sadly died soon afterwards. She had not been sexually assaulted. I'd like to take this moment to thank you for listening to my podcast. The concept behind femicide is very close to my heart, and I hope through these stories we can shed a light on the abuse, violence, and sexual assault that women face daily. This podcast is 100% a one-woman operation. I research, write, record, and edit every single episode myself. To help support me and my efforts, I have started a Patreon account. And if you aren't familiar with Patreon, it is a membership-based platform designed to allow fans to support and connect with their favorite creators. Sign up today online at patreon.com or via the Patreon app. I will leave the link in the show notes of this episode. And as always, I will be donating 10% of all gifts received and memberships each month to various charities that help support women. The charity I will be donating to for the month of January 2022 is Redwood Shelter, which is a local Toronto shelter that provides a safe haven for women and children experiencing domestic violence. Gifts, while deeply appreciated, are not the only way you can show support. It would mean a lot if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave a review, as it really helps to bring awareness to these stories. And please don't forget to share with your friends and families, because word of mouth is the best review of all. Lauren's senseless murder shook the community and everyone that knew her. Her mother stating, quote, that was the worst phone call I ever got in my whole entire life. He said, I'll never forget. She's gone, Vivian. She's gone. End quote. Adding, quote, I pretty much screamed and threw things around, and then I tried to calm down. End quote. The university also released statements following the tragedy, stating, quote, We are so saddened by this situation. Words simply aren't adequate. This is a close-knit community that rarely experiences such a tragedy, so our heartfelt prayers and thoughts go out to those in Lauren's community in Marietta and especially to her family, end quote. More than 500 people came to Lauren's funeral, a testament to the impact she had on those that knew her, but the loss was immense. The rabbi stating at the service, quote, He stole from Lauren's family the trust that all of us have that this is a good world, that Auburn is a safe town. He stole from all of us the sense of security that makes normalcy and life possible. Things will never be the same for Lauren's family, but at the very least, let the killer be brought to justice, 
for justice is the only antidote to the deep and abiding anger that all of us feel, end quote. Her friend spoke as well, stating, quote, I will always remember this week and how much love we had for each other, and I will remember Lauren. In life, all she did was bring people together. In death, all she did was bring more people together, end quote. Following her death, a scholarship was created in Lauren's honor for students majoring in graphic design at Auburn University, keeping her memory alive for years to come. By her funeral, Courtney Lockhart had already been captured because following Lauren's murder, he went on a spree of sorts. On March 5th, the day after Lauren's murder, he robbed a woman in a nursing home parking lot in LaGrange, Georgia, which is about 43 miles or 69 kilometers from Auburn across the state line. Then on March 6th, he robbed a woman in the parking lot of Sam's Club, which we don't have in Canada where I live, but I gather is like a Costco type store in the US. This happened in Columbus, Georgia, which is 36 miles or 57 kilometers from Auburn and 46 miles or 74 kilometers from LaGrange. In this robbery, he got the woman to pass over her purse by threatening her three-year-old son by aiming a gun at his head. He then completed his spree by robbing a 72-year-old woman in a Walmart parking lot in Noonan, Georgia, which is 72 miles or 115 kilometers from Auburn and about the exact same distance from his last crime in Columbus. This crime was an attack. He hit the woman in the back of the head and forced her onto the floor of the car before attempting to back out which is when he noticed a witness had saw him and was following him. And so he stopped the car and fled the scene. Just how brave of this witness to follow him. This woman is very lucky that nothing worse happened to her because of this good Samaritan. Following the attack in Noonan, Courtney fled and made it about an hour away to Phoenix City, Alabama which is 34 miles or 55 kilometers from Auburn, where he was pulled over for speeding through a construction zone. The officer then ran his information and found investigators wanted to speak to him. And I'm not sure how he became a person of interest or which crime they wanted to speak to him about, but I assume that they had him using Lauren's debit card at the gas stations and that he became a person of interest, but again, I'm not 100% sure. I do know an investigation was underway and they had found a bullet casing in her burned vehicle, and again, I'm assuming they searched her debit card transactions. So after the officer ran the information, he asked Courtney to exit the vehicle, but he resisted and drove off, causing a dangerous police chase. During the erratic police chase, he threw his gun out of the car window and then suddenly at one point stopped his car and opened his door, which caused a motorcycle police officer to hit it and go flying onto the road. He then took off running into a wooded area before police finally were able to apprehend him. On him, they found Lauren's iPod and phone, and in the car, they found the same 38 caliber casings they found in Lauren's car 
and a bloodied shirt. Courtney confessed to his crimes soon after his arrest. The prosecution did charge Courtney with murder, kidnapping, robbery, and attempted rape, and his defense argued the shooting was unintentional and that he suffered from mental illness due to his time in the military. He also claimed he had no intention of raping Lauren at any point. As it turned out, Courtney Lockhart was dishonorably discharged from the military after serving in Iraq and South Korea. During his time in the military, he was imprisoned for smoking marijuana and assaulting other soldiers, and also for going absent without approved leave, and he served seven months in 2006 before being discharged. Ultimately, the jury found him guilty of murder, robbery, and kidnapping, but did not find him guilty of attempted rape. The jury then recommended life in prison, but the judge overturned that recommendation and sentenced Courtney to death on March 2nd, 2011, almost three years to the day that he killed Lauren. Recently, in April of 2021, Courtney appealed his death sentence, but it was upheld. Lauren's family arguing in favor of the death penalty over the years, her mother stating, quote, He didn't give her a second chance. He shouldn't get a second chance either. End quote. Her father agreeing, quote, We maintain our desire for the death penalty. Lauren did get the death penalty without a hearing, and we will do anything it takes to continue this process, even if it goes to the Supreme Court. The Burke family will never give up. End quote. Personally, I don't know exactly how I feel regarding the death penalty. I honestly haven't given it much thought. There are so many wrongful convictions that I understand not having a death penalty, but also, even if in prison for the rest of his life, I can see how the family will still be haunted by him and how they could want him to die for his crime. It is a hotly debated topic in the U.S., and many states and countries have abolished it. Overall, I do think it should be abolished just because of wrongful convictions, because one wrongful death is one too many, but I can see how people still want to see that form of justice, whether it is right or wrong. In 1984, the average time between sentencing and execution was 74 months, or a little over six years. By 2019, that figure had more than tripled to 264 months, or 22 years. The average prisoner awaiting execution at the end of 2019 had spent nearly 19 years on death row. And 6 in 10 U.S. adults strongly or somewhat favored the death penalty for convicted murderers. A similar share, 64%, say the death penalty is morally justified when someone commits a crime like murder. At the end of the day, whether he is given death or life imprisonment, Courtney Lockhart has been held accountable for his crimes and the murder of Lauren Burke. And thankfully, he was not able to harm anyone else the way he harmed the Burke family. Lauren's death was a senseless act of violence that never should have happened, but her bravery in such an unthinkable situation was remarkable, 
and she will always be remembered by her family, friends, and the entire community that mourned her loss. Thank you for listening to the story of Lauren Burke. I'm your host, Sean Marie. Join me next time for another story.